0: Welcome
1: to Practical Access. I'm Lisa DeKerr. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And this episode, we'll be talking about communication. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Communication. (laughs) (laughs) So last last episode, Lisa, we were talking about employment and employability. And I actually mentioned communication then. Uh, And I mentioned how much of what we communicate is nonverbal. So I thought I would jump off where I started with that last conversation uh, and just thinking about this idea of nonverbal communication and how, how how do we make sure that all of our kids better understand how all of these nuances impact a message. So some of some of you guys might have seen the commercials this uh this past year for I think it was State Farm, I don't remember which insurance company, but they use the exact same script the exact same script and they do it, they deliver it one way to have a positive meaning. Uh, The girl walks out and sees the car and says, I can't believe this is my car. And then they use the exact same words for another guy who walks out and says, I can't believe this is my car. Something bad had happened to the car and then it goes on and on from there. But it, it was a really good example of this idea that, that the words don't convey nearly as much as the tone of voice and the delivery, etc. And I don't think that kids are often um, aware of those things. So you might remember, Lisa, one of, our, one of our former students, Christine Duff, did a lot with mirrors with kids with autism so that they could see how they look when they're doing different things. And I think, I think that's a good really simple thing to do with a lot of kids is to get to coach them up on how how does it look when you're saying this and i'm not saying that's for for your teenagers who are going to roll their eyes <laughs> don't use that against them you know um, <laughs> don't use it against them but i think it's a good way with little kids in particular to get them to start thinking about how they look when they're talking to other people
0: Yeah, you know, and I'm going to go with a tech app along that line because I equally agree with you in that concept. And there's an app called AffdexMe, A-F-F-D-E-X-Me. It's a free app. And much like the mood ring we were talking about earlier can (laughs) tell you your mood, this one can tell you what your facial expression is saying. And, And I still recall this young man who was on the spectrum who could code in seven languages, And he kept looking at this app when I brought it up. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm trying to make myself look happy. He said, I feel really happy right now because we're doing all this tech stuff, but I'm trying to make myself look that way. And I think that's true for a lot of us. You know, I I used to laugh as a teacher. My students would say, Mrs. Deeker, you know how we knew when you were really mad? And I'm like, no, but if you tell me, I'll be using that in the future. And they said, when you stop smiling. So you could raise your voice, but if you were still smiling, we knew we hadn't reached the threshold with you. And so I think those are the secrets teachers find out. As parents, we know when we can give our kid the look and they know it, but I often think in return, many students with disabilities don't know how to give back either the happy look, the sad look, the stern look, the I mean to stop bothering me look, Uh, because again, I think kids are often bullied, sometimes taken advantage of. And so that's one app I would consider, but I agree with you. It's the nonverbal piece that often gets many students, period, but many students with disabilities in situations they can't quite figure out how they got there because their words say one thing, but their body is saying
1: something else when when i taught kids with severe emotional disturbance uh, this was a particularly important lesson for them was this idea of what are you what are you saying what are you saying what are you saying with your words what are you saying without your words uh some of the things that that I have used in the past and that I recommend anybody who's trying to focus on different elements of communication. I, I used simple things like uh, finding interesting videos that were, were simple and, and light like gender differences in body language, because you know what I taught, I taught adolescents, you know, what's interesting to them to think about analyzing themselves gender differences what does it communicate? they enjoyed watching something light and saying, Oh, yeah, you do that. Oh, yeah, you do that. You know, and just, it was all about kind of raising the awareness. And similarly, I would use things that like an image that I have a chart that would show you if you if your eyes are looking up, if your eyes are looking down, what it means the brain is doing, you know, now you're remembering this, or now you're thinking about that. So anything when it comes to adolescence, anything that they can tie to themselves or try with themselves, just as again it's just a general awareness raising, was the entry point into exploring some of those nonverbal types of communication. And I found that those kinds of things to be really lighthearted and, and not a formal lesson, but just kind of an awareness and a fun way of looking at what we do. Um, And and also making them aware of the fact that as communicators, we mirror often what the other person's doing. So if I'm sitting across from you and your arms are crossed and you're you're not smiling, it's going to make me naturally tend to do that. So if we can teach kids just because somebody's sitting there with their arms crossed and not smiling doesn't mean you can't smile and be the one who initiates the smile from the other person. So just some simple things um, for the nonverbal parts. Yeah.
0: And I think for the verbal pieces, one that, you know, I might find many of the parents in the work that we do with the Down Syndrome Foundation say this has really helped their kids is something as simple as Alexa or Google Home, where kids have to ask for something. And using that voice command, you can't say, you know, tell me now. Uh, First of all, you got to know the name. So there's a great one. You know, you should always greet somebody by their name, Becky, what do you think? Um, So Alexa, and then asking Alexa for something specific like the weather, my Alexa just came on when I said that, by the way, now it's came on twice. Um, You know, what is the weather today? And that way then students get a chance to practice being more independent as well as working on communication. I also think that part of the thing we want to think about is music. And I love to use music as a voice modulator because the other problem we sometimes have is kids talk too soft. <laughs> and so giving that level five music in the classroom, in the home, uh, setting your Alexa to level five and say, that's the voice we're looking for. Or level three, you know what? You're really angry, could we get to an Alexa level three or a Google Voice level? So I think that's also a way to help kids modulate because we know that when you whisper, <laughs> get a lot of attention from kids. Uh, when you yell, sometimes you get less attention from kids. And so one to think about both as parents communicating, but teaching our, our young adults or our children that sometimes louder doesn't get you as much attention as softer, but you can't be so soft, no one can hear your voice. And that's where I think modulation of voice can be a really critical part of communication for both employability and social
1: connections in, in, with peers. Well, it's funny, because I was thinking, you mentioned music, and then you were talking about getting softer. And um, I was, it it reminded me of of something that I've seen work really well for kids who are reluctant speakers, and that is giving them a microphone to play with, just to play with. I've seen kids with autism who will will not really talk, but when they would pick up a microphone, it would, they, they would immediately start to produce words. Um, so, and, and I think I mentioned t- to you in a previous episode, and if I didn't, I'll share it now. Um, a, a teacher just told me about a student in their class who it has been nonverbal all school year. But in, in this remote world that, that we're in right now, um, that student has been working very hard to produce sounds and words because they want to be a part of this. Type of a format and talking in a in a in a web chat with their friends, so they just needed that little bit of removal from that 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 personal piece that was hard for them. So I do think that finding ways to play around with those things that are really low stakes. Do they need a? Do they need more or less? Do they do they need more authentic opportunities? I know with my nephew who struggles with speech production we very purposefully would work on his communication by using FaceTime. He loves to FaceTime his family members. So I would send a list of questions to all the family members and say, okay, let's ask Michael these questions and see if he will attempt to verbalize a response. And we would keep track of, you know, how many questions does Michael try to verbally respond to? And we found that we could easily um, actually increase his word count per response by just being really focused on it. And that's what teachers could do. Even in his class, it became a reward for him to FaceTime us. So we, we would still work on his, his speech, even when he was doing that. So his, his attempts to communicate were documented. And sometimes that is a starting point.
0: Well, and I think you you hit what I think is most important is, is both increase the number of words, whether it's through a device or through verbal, uh, and pair that with the soft skill piece of the um, nonverbal behavior. But I think you know of the work that we do with Teach Live and the avatars, and it's fascinating to me that in some of the research we've done, kids have quadrupled the number of words that were very low responders by just talking to avatars. So how do you do that at home? Great little tool called Vokey. Uh, Blabberize, uh, cartoon animation, where maybe instead of asking the child to always speak to you, asking them to speak to a character that maybe you've created might be a good place to get them started and being more comfortable because sometimes that's less threatening than trying to talk to a human. And so again, what we know is once you start communication, it's really easy to get more of it. It's kind of sometimes breaking it loose, like you said, with that particular. So my last thought for communication is just really helping our students understand how to be open with their communication versus when to be closed. You know, uh, (laughs) when you're asked things that maybe you don't want to be overly uh, forthcoming such as in a job interview, you know, well, I'm lazy and I don't work hard. Maybe that's a time to stop in your short statements. We've seen that happen before. Whereas when you're in a open situation and having conversation, thinking about having that open body language, being very open in what you're doing and flowing conversation, but turn taking listening, I think is just as important as communicating. So that's kind of my last thought there.
1: And I guess my last thought is again. As, as as we often do back to the technology piece and you mentioned alexa um using just your your voice recognition uh, it's to get them to try to send a text to a loved one by speaking it into the phone you you'll get a good idea of what what your child is is willing to or able to communicate clearly by by how many words can actually be produced in that text and it's exciting when when a kid who doesn't normally have a chance to, to do something like that feels successful in sending a little quick text, you know, I love you, Grandpa. Um, and again, it's about that, that word production. And as you said, once we can start producing some words, then they come much more quickly. But it is, it is getting, getting kids to really attempt at one end. We kind of like to go all over the place because we started with a lot of nonverbals, and now we're getting into the real specifics. But you know what, Lisa? That's that's our field. You know, we, it's wide ranging, and uh, we might be working with somebody who has produced no words, and we might be working with people who are so articulate, but their body language just needs to be brushed up.
0: Yeah, and and I just do have to laugh. So, for those of you who are listening to our podcast, I wish you could see us. First of all, we never quite look glamorous um, when we do these. But I think the funniest part is we do have this uncanny ability to give a look, give a hand gesture, and to toss it back and forth. We've always had that as a natural skill together. And I think that's what I would really be looking for. Who are the peers who will give your child that opportunity? to turn take, to have the patience to listen, and to be kind. And I think no matter what we do, and we have a lot of fun teasing each other, but we always go for the kind. We care, and that's what communication is meant to do, especially in this time that we're living in right now. Our communication needs to be caring, kind. We need to teach our kids to not only give that, but expect them to receive that in communication. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and again, we are looking for questions so that you don't have to just listen to Bucky and I ramble about things that we might want to talk about. So please do send us a tweet at AccessPractical. And we thank you for joining us tonight.